Welcome to the Minimum Viable Podcast, a project of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. Our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower people in order to promote a culture of innovation in the U.S. national security community. You can learn more about DEF and get involved at DEF.org. That's D-E-F dot O-R-G. We look forward to your ideas and are excited to connect you with other doers working on hard problems. Let us actually launch into this exciting topic today. We are talking about OKRs, or Objectives and Key Results. And some of you may have read this book, which is Measure What Matters. Um, this was what started a lot of people talking about OKRs. And I think the reason why is because it talks about Google, Bono, um, Gates, foundation and others trying to make changes and trying to be more effective in how they actually accomplish things through these objectives and key results. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Jay, who is a member of DEF as well as many other organizations and sort of talk about the origin of why we decided to have this specific DEF event. So Jay, over to you. Absolutely. Uh, first, Jen, thanks. Uh, good evening, everybody. And thanks for joining us. Super excited to get tonight kicked off. So tonight's goal is to help empower tech leaders across the national security ecosystem by giving you a tool that's designed to help you lead your teams into technology challenges. At first, I'd like to acknowledge that the fact that we're even running tonight's workshop is a sign that the ecosystem is moving forward. The emergence of software factors like Kessel Run, Section 31, and most recently Army Software Factory is a sign that Death's fundamental vision is being realized, which I think is also something to celebrate. Along with these uh, gains and recent progress comes new challenges. While the military is learning to train coders and some of the individual contributors, as a whole, we're still trying to figure out what it looks like to train tech leaders that are capable of managing both technical challenges, teams, and portfolios against each other. Uh, and so one of the, the solutions that has emerged in the tech space has been OKRs, which seem to be uniquely positioned to balance the focus needed for long-term visions with the agility needed for innovation development efforts. So tonight we're going to be learning from a Castle Run veteran who's sharing his, his team's lessons so all of us can be a little bit more effective when we go back to work on Monday. And with that, turning it back over to Jen. All right, Jay, thank you. And, you know, you know, get the drums rolling. We are now going to introduce to you Nick Sutterburn. And Nick, for those of you who don't know him, he was recently the lab director at Castle Run one of the Air Force's software factories, and I would actually say the first Air Force software factory, the, the infamous Air Force software factory, where he spent most of his time trying to scale the culture. Um, he was at Kessel Run at the beginning, and he was one of the first product team managers, owners, and then helped Kessel Run grow into what it is today. Um, as Kessel Run scaled, Nick really became aware that as one of the first middle managers for the company and who wants to be called the middle manager, we always call them like the frozen middle, the, you know, the people who are the ones that really resist any change at all. And Nick being more hip and junior and young as a middle manager, he figured out that we really need to think about how do we make and create achievements across the organization, not just within stovepipes, and what he did was he started to look at how to use OKRs um, as an effective tool to do that. So today, Nick is actually, believe it or not, um, in Seattle, transitioning to the private sector after spending seven years on active duty. But he is also a reservist still in Kessel Run because he's so passionate about making change. 
So Nick, with that, I will hand it over to you and um, for you to give us a little bit of introduction uh, to Kessel Run as well as to OKRs in general. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. I was just thinking, I hope the share screen function works tonight, but we'll see when I try to click it. I guess I'll try to click it right now. It's disabled, so maybe we can fix that while I'm introducing myself quickly. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Jay, for kicking off this uh, event and making it happen. I'm definitely happy to be here tonight to share with you some lessons learned uh, and some common pitfalls that we encountered when we rolled out the OKR framework at Kessel Run. And I'm glad we're doing this type of event where we're sharing learnings across multiple organizations because uh, it's a lot of work to document and share those learnings, but it's completely necessary so people don't have to start from scratch. Yes, you're going to have your own personal journey uh, as you develop a new framework or adopt a new framework, but there's a lot of uh, learnings that you can take into account as you go through your own digital transformation journey in your organization. And with that, I would really like to share slides now, if it's possible. Okay, cool, we're up and running. That's, that's so exciting. Um, I do want to make one note. Uh, Jen showed you the book, uh, uh, Measure What Matters by John Dewar. Uh, that's probably the, the most popular book that people talk about. One other one that I would encourage everyone to pick up is called Radical Focus by Christina Wotke. And it's written in such a way similar to the Phoenix Project or the Unicorn Project by Gene Kim and Company in a way that is written in a narrative. It's, it's quite a fun read. It's, it's actually a lot quicker than Measure What Matters, but it shows how OKRs can be used in an organization in a fun narrative style. So check out Radical Focus by Christina Wotke. All right, so I'm gonna share my screen. We're gonna jump right into this. Uh, everyone can see my screen, a thumbs up, Jay. Okay, cool. Um, so my, my, my slides are not particularly pretty, um, but that is really intentional because I want people here to focus on the content and not a beautiful slide that's in front of you. And so uh, I wanna just give a brief background as to why Kessel Run started using OKRs. And Jen uh, brought this up uh, earlier and uh, as we started scaling, it was really hard to maintain some sort of focus across what we we're trying to do as an organization. I think the requirements put on an organization tend to increase as it scales in size. So when we were 30 people, the requirements were this big. But as we started to expand now to 1,000 plus people, uh, the, the, the requirements leveled on your organization become so much larger. So you have to maintain some sort of focus, and Christina Woke would call a radical focus. So you're actually achieving the goals and objectives, or objectives in this case, in the framework that you're trying to achieve. And having that alignment was difficult because you can have bilateral relationships when there's only 30 people, but having that mutual understanding and those bilateral relationships is impossible as you scale to the size that Kessel Run is now. And people wanna fix problems, we're a bunch of patriots. We want to solve hard problems. It's too easy to say yes to things. But if you want to actually move the needle on something, you've got to say no as well. And I think OKRs is a really effective framework in aligning ourselves around something to say yes to so we can say no to all the other noise uh, that, that happens uh, all the time. And so I just want to put the caveat that my 
uh, presentation, my perspective is limited to me and what I witnessed at Kessel Run as one of the first employees, as Jen said. Uh, and so this is by, by, by no means the absolute uh, definition of what happened at Kessel Run. This is at least my perspective from being one of those first self-proclaimed middle managers because middle managers make stuff happen. I don't think it's a bad term. It all gladly embrace the term. Uh, we were not a frozen middle, I guess, in this case. So I, I just want to lay out an objective and a few key results for our conversation here tonight. And so as Jen and Jay and I were preparing, we thought about what's the objective of this presentation. And it really was to make the OKR framework accessible to the broader national security community. And that's why all of you are here tonight with us. And so here's a few key results that go along with it that I brainstormed. They might not be perfect, but at least it's a way to measure if we're making progress towards that objective. So I'll just give you a chance to look at those. I don't need to read those out loud to you, but I think they're somewhat useful ways to measure progress towards this objective of making this framework more accessible to all of you. And now I wanna make sure that my sound is sharing as I share screen. I didn't see a prompt to do that. So let me just play this and see if folks can hear. Let's use OKRs to provide you can hear? Okay, cool. So uh, what I'm sharing with you right now is a cartoon. And so this is a cartoon that I put together to educate people on the OKR framework, as well as share Kessel Run's Q3, uh, or I guess calendar year Q3, uh, OKRs with the organization. And so uh, I'll, I'll see what you think. I'll just share it with you. It's educational and also shows some real examples of OKRs that Kessel Run has used after several iterations. Uh, two years ago, the OKRs would not have looked uh, nearly as useful as current iteration because it's been a work in progress. Let's use OKRs to provide focus. But Yoda, what do you mean? How can we use OKRs to provide focus? When, ooh, when you don't have focus, nothing you will do. You underestimated my power. I was thinking we could do everything because we're the military and we must win. Oh, win we will, but prioritize we must. OKRs are meant to set strategy and goals over a specified amount of time for an organization. Hmm, that makes sense. Well, what's the difference between an objective and a key result? An objective is what you hope to accomplish and key results are measurable expressions of progress towards an objective. And you're telling me that these are found in the Kessel Run? Difficult to see. Always in motion is the future. Yoda, what the heck does that mean? Your focus determines your reality. <laughs> oh, thanks, Liam Neeson. Our first objective is pardon the software factory. But how do we know we're making progress? Oh, patience, Padawan. That's what key results are for. Okay, Master Yoda. What are the key results for hardening the software factory? Good question, Padawan. For this, let's look to the ancient Jedi scroll of key results. Ominous scroll appears. Automation, training and education, and executing the plan. <coughs> Thank you. 
oh wow, those are really big words. See these many times, you will. Two objectives are to follow. Feel the force. Let's mm. use OKRs to measure what matters. But Yoda, why do we measure what matters? If you do not know where you will go, you need a baseline to know your progress. Hmm, that makes sense. But how do we know what's measured? Hmm, something you quantifiable you must measure. Progress, not a general claim you can make. That all makes sense. Uh, do you have an example? A key result for objective. Make Jedi's the fiercest peacekeepers in the galaxy might be. More lightsaber training. Oh, Padawan, fallen into a trap you have. It's a trap! <laughs> a key result you're looking for might be increase Padawan lightsaber training by 50% over the next three months. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. Well, what are the key results for Kesselron's second objective? Well, first, our second objective is deliver with excellence and improve reporting. But Master, what are the key results for this one? Look at the more ancient scrolls of key results, we shall. Ominous similar looking scroll in Comic Sans appears. Improve availability in production, improve response times, and improve reporting. Oh wow, that's a lot of important information in a really, really, really cool font. One more objective to follow. Patience, you must have, young Padawan. All right, let's use OKRs to get alignment. But Yoda, what exactly does alignment mean? Look, how my parents get their land speeder wheels aligned? Oh, have wheels, land speeders do not. Kessel Run has many teams. Same direction they must move. Why can't teams just do what they want? The whole is greater than some of its parts. Common cause alignment, right? Oh, I get it. You want all teams moving in the same direction, which ensures the best use of resources. Oh, truly how wonderful the mind of a child is. So Yoda, what is the last objective for Kessel Run during this time period? Oh, our third objective is instill debt-wide identity, culture, and collaboration. Okay, Master Yoda, what are the key results for instilled debt-wide identity, culture, and collaboration? Oh, find some John Williams inspiration for key results, we shall. That's an awesome video. I've never seen anything like it before. Oh, pass on what you have learned. Do you remember the objectives, all of them? I do. Our three objectives are better school lunches, more lightsaber training, and less homework. All right, Beach, this is your line. Are you here, Beach? These aren't the objectives you're looking for. Awesome. Mistaken you are. Kessel Run's three objectives are Part in the software factory, 
deliver with excellence and improve reporting, and instill debt-wide identity, culture, and collaboration. Okay, Master Yoda, I've got it. Harden the software factory, deliver with excellence and improve reporting, instill debt-wide identity, culture, and collaboration. Yes, Padawan. Now pass on what you have learned. May the force be with you. Cool. Thanks for our low budget actors, myself and Dylan, and all our guest appearances, including Beach today. Awesome. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the cartoon. Uh, I have to give credit to my equally as crazy colleague, Dylan Brown, as well, for believing that this was a good way to communicate something as important as OKRs, as well as the OKRs that we were trying to achieve at Kessel Run at the time. And so I, uh, I'm happy to share that with anyone if you want that for uh, further use or to share with your uh, colleagues. So um, after that little educational video, um, let's move on to a couple of pitfalls that we faced uh, at Kessel Run specifically. So the, the key results that you saw during that video were the most recent ones. I think they've updated them since I've left. I honestly have been enjoying my vacation and not been paying attention to them. Uh, to give myself a break. But uh, I think it's important to talk about the pitfalls that we encountered along the way because it takes a lot of time and hard work and consistent effort over a period of time to become good at something. It requires deliberate practice. So these aren't like New Year's resolutions that you set once and never revisit or evaluate or change again. Uh, these are something that are meant to be uh, updated typically on a quarterly basis. And so let's jump into, uh, I guess I'll hand it back over to Jen, actually. I should follow the script and behave myself. It's all good. Um, Nick, thank you for the video. I don't know if you want to share slides still or not. Um, but what, as Nick said, we are now going to talk about some of the common pitfalls and myths that people have around OKRs. And the first one that Nick, I would like you to address is that OKRs are easy to write. People think they can sit down and in five minutes pound out objectives and key results for their entire organization. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So I'm going to share my screen again. Uh, I mean, it's a great question because like I mentioned, uh, it's, not, it's not a quick thing to do well. Uh, you're going to mess up, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to come up with key results that maybe aren't measuring the thing that you want them to, um, but there are techniques and there are common pitfalls to watch out for as you're developing your key results. So let me share a couple tangible examples from Kessel Run with you, and I would love people's thoughts to comment in the chat box and ask questions if there are any about it. Uh, happy to share my thoughts and happy to hear thoughts from anyone else in the audience, because I imagine... There are folks out there who have experience uh, using the OKR framework as well. So I'd love to, to hear your thoughts too. So I want to uh, talk about key results specifically. So here we're assuming that the objective is, is, is kosher. It's good. It's perfect. It's, it, it's what we want to do. And I guess from a personal point of view, I would encourage you to write an objective that is sexy. And so if not sexy, then short and sweet. So Kessel Run's objective on the right here, harden the software factory, that's really easy to remember. Harden the software factory, as opposed to something that consists of 20 words that no one is going to remember. Objectives should be easy to remember. So keep that in mind. 
But then digging into the key results, let's take a look at the left side, and then let's take a look at the right side. And so when I'm looking at these, uh, one of the things that I notice is that there's a lot of binomials. So that means that you either did it or you didn't do it. So I guess in one respect, it's quantifiable, but leaves no room to actually measure progress towards achieving that objective. So let's hone in on number three here, zero security incidents. I think that's a philosophy that most organizations in our world strive for, but I don't think it's that effective of a key result to make the engineering practice that includes security as a first-class citizen because it's an all-or-nothing kind of key result. It doesn't indicate any sort of progress towards that. If you had three security incidents one quarter and you had six you know, the next quarter, that shows a difference, uh, progress in the other way. It should probably go from six to three, hopefully. But that's actually measuring the improvement and the impact of the objective that we're trying to achieve. And so on the right, although these key results aren't perfect, uh, they do lend themselves to have more measurements across a spectrum. And so you see that uh, the quarterly cybersecurity policy and best practice training received by 85% of the KR workforce. So even though this is task completion, this will have an impact on the workforce at Kessel Run if they receive this training. And so it's about getting comfortable with some numbers. And you may think, oh man, I'm worried that this is not the right thing to measure. But, but go ahead and try it. Don't, don't, don't fetishize over whether it's the right metric or the wrong metric to measure. It's better to go ahead and experiment and try measuring something and still collect it. I generally hold the philosophy that having more data is better than less data. And you can hopefully analyze that and make something of it. And so these are just experiments, these key results. They may not be indicative of the objective and you may need to write new ones in the future, but it's good to start somewhere and to focus on being as quantifiable as possible. Does that make sense, Jen? I like it, sexy objective. Yeah, easy to remember. It really does. Okay, Jay, do you wanna take us through our, our second one? Yeah, absolutely. Second question and an area that I'd love to explore is, a lot of listeners out there promote JIRA tickets or goal setting or their task management strategies. What is the relationship between those and OKRs? How do OKRs do that a little bit differently and what should they know? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jay. And I actually wanted to touch on something you mentioned at the beginning about, you know, a middle manager like me trying to align all of these disparate efforts or seemingly disparate efforts by product teams to achieve a common goal across the organization. And so when, when Kessel Run first started, we had a few product teams, maybe three or four, that were very focused on their user base and providing value for their users. But as we started to grow, we were completing more applications to support the error tasking cycle in this case. And so we needed to focus on the business value that we were trying to achieve across the entire cycle, not just making that end user's life better, which we certainly want to engage end users in the conversation to understand what their needs are. But sometimes you need to balance that business value against the user value. And you might have to make difficult trade-offs. Everything should be connected to the user. But if you opt for the business value to achieve something that's going to have a second or third or fourth order effect on the user, sometimes you have to make that trade-off. 
And, and that's one of the reasons why we started using OKRs so we could share the common business value as well as user value in some cases that we we're trying to achieve, not, not in one product team, but across multiple product teams. And that's why we started using that framework to align our teams across common, common goals. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through. But to answer your question specifically, Jay, um, uh, some people mistake OKRs as like another way of managing a backlog. A backlog typically consists of a series of tasks that need to get done to achieve certain outcomes. But OKRs are abstracted you know, up a level from that, I think, where they are written more in a goal achievement uh, structure as opposed to just like a list of tasks to, to be completed. And I'm going to go on to the next slide here. So OKRs do not equal backlog. You should not have 43 objectives. I think if you read Measure What Matters or talk to folks about OKRs, they might tell you the 3-3 three, three rule, three objectives, three key results. I don't even love that framework because I think it forces people into a mindset where they have to fill in, you know, the, the number of key results and objectives required. You might have two objectives for a quarter and that's fine. And maybe four key results for one and two for another. Um, but taking another set of OKRs that has been used at Kessel Run, I just want to show you this and, and show you how all of these are tasks as opposed to impacts. So provide GeoInt services to applications on the KR platform so that application teams deliver mapping features to their users. These key results might as well be very important uh, for the end user and the value that we're trying to deliver. But when I read uh, the, the last three, they all say release first version. When I read that, that is like a task. So again, going back to the first point, it's a binomial of something that needs to be done. And so it's, it's completion, which is related to my quick discussion point, Tasks have to do with completion. So you have a task, it might be 60% complete, it needs to get 100% complete. Versus impact, where you might frame it as the release of the first version is adopted by you know, X percentage of product teams or is impacting you know, X percentage of downstream users. That's, that's a lot more interesting for the goals that we're trying to achieve. If it's a task that needs to be done, go ahead and manage that in a backlog. But the OKR framework is not something to collect a whole bunch of tasks in like a backlog. And so as an OKR purist, I would focus on the impact and then measuring the confidence. Are we confident that we're going to achieve that impact over a period of time? So if I say that I want to uh, have Adopt, you know, have adoption of this geocoding results standard by 60% of product teams within the Kessel Run portfolio. Throughout examining those OKRs in a three month quarterly period, I wanna focus on, am I confident that we're gonna have at least 60% adoption? If we beat that key result, great. If we don't, you know, that, that's okay too. Um, these are not meant to be achieved. All of them are not meant to be achieved. It's okay to achieve some key results and not achieve others. It's a tool rather than a must. So Nick, we have two questions. 
Yeah. Um, sort of similarly related based on sort of what we're talking about now. And so I'll, I'll propose both of them to you. They're from Hector. And he says, do you guys use different levels of OKRs? If so, can you talk about how the strategic level OKRs align with the tactical level OKRs and what that process looks like? And then sort of as a subset of that is, do you prioritize key results within an objective? Sure, yeah, that's, that's a great first question. And I think it's something to be completely honest with you that Kessel Run is still struggling with today. Um, theoretically, the OKRs should cascade down. So you should have the strategic one set by the top part of the organization and then down to that portfolio level or whatever that middle level is down to the product team. And when I say cascade, I don't mean that they all need to be completely or directly related to each other, but they shouldn't be in conflict with each other. In reality, how we've adopted OKRs kind of went from portfolios adopting them, then the strategic level adopting them. So I think we're finally reaching a cadence where we're getting that, that guidance or that goal setting early enough in the process to be able to cascade them down. And that's one of the, the things that I see a lot of senior leaders struggle with is that the feedback loop is so much longer at that strategic level. You have to hope that you like made the right decision or, or set the right objective because you're not going to get that quick feedback when you're at the tactical level on a product team, working with a user base, getting continuous feedback on something every week. And so I would recommend starting them at the strategic level and cascading down. I'm just saying that in practice, we haven't always done it that way, but I think we're getting closer to being able to do that on a structured cadence. And I think that's really important for alignment across the organization because then you don't have conflicts or discrepancies in what folks are trying to achieve. But you've got to start using a goal setting framework in the first place to be able to do that. And then in terms of prioritizing the key results within the objective, um, this isn't a practice that we've typically had at Kessel Run. I, I guess like the personal philosophy of like, you know, having every list be prioritized or it's not useful, I guess to hold myself accountable, I would recommend that as a, as a practice of prioritizing the key results. I have no problems with prioritizing something. And if you can, you probably should prioritize them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would recommend that as a practice. I don't think it's a must though, because you're, you're taking an experimental approach with the key results. They might not even be the right thing to measure to show progress towards that objective. And in general, when you're collecting metrics, if your metric that you're collecting is not changing your behavior or the way you think about something as an indicator that some action needs to happen, it, it probably isn't the most useful metric um, you know, you could find something that actually drives and impacts behavior more than, you know, something that is just collected for the sake of collecting it. Thanks, Hector. Great, great question. All right. So our next question, our next pitfall or fallacy is that these are really short lived in nature. And so the question I would ask is, how do you determine the length of them? And how do you make sure that you stay accountable to the length of them? And what should that length be? Yeah, so uh, awesome question, Jen. And I think I alluded to this a little bit with the feedback loops being a lot longer at the organizational level. And to the point about these are not New Year's resolutions, we need to revisit these on a normal cadence is super important. 
And so it might be easy to roll out OKRs. Hey, this is a good idea. We need to set goals. We need to have alignment. I think most people can agree on that, but, but making them stick, that, that's where the problems exist, I think. And as I mentioned, we're not trying to hit every single goal. I think John Dewar in Measure What Matters talks about maybe 60 or 70% of OKRs should be, should be hit every review period. Uh, and, and that might be the right number. It might not be the right number. Uh, but if you're hitting every single key result, uh, maybe you're sandbagging the key results and they should be a little bit more difficult. Or if you're not hitting any key result at all, maybe you're, you're setting too many stretch goals and you need to do a reality check and get back in line with what's in the, the realm of the possible. Um, but it's about making progress. And so, you know, I'm in Seattle. I'm trying to get to Washington, D.C. to see Jen. I may, I may get all the way there. Maybe my plane diverts and I land in Omaha, Nebraska. At least, at least I'm closer to Jen. I'm closer to my end destination. That might be a bad metaphor because no one wants to be stuck at the airport away from a home. But I think you get the point that, that distance-wise, you're closer to the end objective from where you started. And so in order for that to exist, failure really needs to be part of normal business operations. That it's okay not to have a 100% success rate because these aren't just tasks to be completed. These are goals that we're trying to obtain and we're trying to push ourselves harder. So it's okay if I walk out with a 60, 70% success rate as opposed to 100% success rate. I don't know if, uh, how many people are from the Air Force, but I'm sure all the services and defense use different inspection systems. But we have this thing called McT, and uh, it's an inspection. A lot of folks will say everything passed, like 100%, which like looks kind of sketchy. Uh, it's like you didn't actually uh, reveal where the problems were. So we're not trying to paint the, the rocks white and the grass green with OKRs. We're trying to show progress, and we have to have a... a an environment where it's okay not to do something 100% because we're not going to, to do it perfectly every time and we shouldn't be because that would defeat the purpose of OKRs. Um, so you wanna strive to make these not just a perfunctory exercise that managers are going through, that leadership is going through, that teams are going through on a quarterly basis, but, but how are these useful like as a tool, as a goal setting framework as opposed to, you know, a performance report or review at the end of a period. Uh, that, that's the mindset shift that I think really needs to happen with successful adoption of OKRs. So Alan has a question that relates to this. Is that how do you handle the piling on of other starts if you don't accomplish the key results that you had set in the previous given time frame? So I, Alan, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I would first uh, encourage you to use OKRs as a way to say no at first, or at least to question, is this more important than these priorities that we've laid out for this quarter? Because OKRs are a way of indicating priorities. And I think you have to have that tough conversation whether something should be bounced above something else. A three-quarter period seems like a lot of time, but you know, really isn't that much time. Can it wait till the next quarter if it does have to be, uh, you know, worked into the current uh, time period, that that's okay too. But I would start with the: is this more important than the objectives and key results that we've laid out for 
for this quarter. Um, and as far as accomplishing the key results, that's the, the measurement aspect that uh, you might discover that there's actually better key results or better things to measure to make progress towards that objective. Um, so you might not get it right the first time and you might need to update those. So it's an evolutionary process, but it's maybe, it maybe shouldn't be as, as agile as like a product team and how they might move uh, because you need some time to know whether you're achieving something. The feedback loops are just inherently longer at, at like a portfolio level or at a strategic level. All right, thanks, Nick. I just want to make a comment for everybody who is in the chat. If you want to chat to everybody who's on this session, please make sure you hit all panelists and attendees in the drop-down window. Otherwise, the um, three of us, Nick, Jay, and I, are the only ones seeing your comments. Um, I'm happy to relay them, but a lot of you are putting some really interesting things in the, the chat that I don't think everybody else is able to benefit from without me jumping in and uh, saying it every time. Okay, with that, Jay, I'll turn it over to you for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jen. So the next question is, how do you best, and you touched on this, I think, briefly with some of the earlier questions, but I'd love for you to expand on when you're writing OKRs, how do you make sure that they are built with the whole of the organization in mind? How do you make sure it's not just individual stovepipe sheets, and how do you recommend sharing them with other teams to achieve like that cascading effect that you were talking about? Sure. So I, I think first and foremost, Jay, you need to start talking about them more. Things aren't gonna be top of mind if you're not talking about them. And so that was one of the problems that Dylan and I set out to solve with these cartoons is how do we bring these to the forefront of people's attention uh, that these are important and these are how we're gonna guide the work across the organization. Um, but I think what, what's really important though is once you have them, this is assuming you've created OKRs and, and you're good to go for an experiment for a quarter. Um, how do you convey the relevance across all of the different teams? Like why is what this team is doing important to me? So that, that's incumbent on, I think, the leadership in the organization to connect those dots and OKRs are one way to facilitate those connections so you can understand what the meaning and impact of your work is and how it affects the ultimate uh, you know, strategy or vision that we're trying to achieve at the end of the day. And so having managers use a common vocabulary around OKRs to explain like why we're doing, why what we're doing is important uh, is one way of doing that. So making consumables, you know, sharing cartoons, having conversations about them is really important. The other thing I would recommend along uh, stepping back before you've established the OKRs is actually getting some participation from, from your team members. And so let's say I'm a portfolio manager. I have eight different product teams in my portfolio. So that's you know eight times eight people. And uh, let's, let's do some co-creation. So even if the final like decision authority lies with me as this portfolio manager, I think it's really important to uh, you know, give everyone in the organization, when we talk about psychological safety, we talk about giving people voice rights so they can speak up and uh, uh, issue concerns and talk honestly about what they think so we can uh, embrace the power of co-creation to uh, agree and, and formulate OKRs that we think are gonna be effective in measuring the goals that we're trying to achieve as a business. And so I would encourage folks to do some generation sessions of objectives together. So it's not just your words, 
but it's, it's your team's words as well. And that helps with the buy-in and that helps with the understanding that helps align people. Uh, shared context and understanding is key, I think, to adopting an organization across a, a large number of people because people want to belong. And in order to make a more inclusive organization, you have to include people in the process. And so I would encourage folks to, to do that as well, instead of just say, hey, these are the OKRs for the quarter, you know, go execute. Probably be more effective if you get buy-in from the folks that, that you're serving as their portfolio manager. That's super helpful. Thanks for, for sharing that one, Nick. Uh, and then uh, I think, Jen, you, you were taking over from you. Sure, absolutely. All right, so now that we have talked about OKRs and the myths and pitfalls associated with them, um, why don't we go ahead and practice a little bit of an OKR? So, and then once we're done with that, we'll go into Q&A for everybody to answer your questions. All right, Nick, what do you have for us? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'd love to practice. We need to, we need to try doing it, right, before we can bring it to our organizations. So uh, I created uh, this objective. I thought it'd be fun to do a personal objective to make it more tangible and relevant to, to each of us since we don't all work together. Um, I think with COVID, uh, I've heard this complaint, uh, gripe, whatever, quite a bit, that work-life balance is extremely hard, especially working and you know spending leisure time in the same place, not having that clear distinction as we did before. So maybe an objective that you know many of us have, uh, some of us maybe don't, and that's fine too, but creating that work-life balance that works for me uh, or, or for you, Whatever that balance is, is going to be different for each of us, but what is that balance that works for me? And, and so, you know, for me, in order to have, you know, more, you know, quality time and enjoy that, that life balance of it, you know, setting down my phone for two hours where I have two uh, uninterrupted hours of spending time with my partner would be, would be nice. Um, so, and, and the, the second one is kind of a joke. I don't, I don't give him partner satisfaction surveys. Um, but if I did, I, you know, maybe would expect a, you know, 50% increase in those surveys as I try to achieve this objective of having a, a work-life balance and I'm not spending time just on my computer, but spending time with him. And then the third uh, key result, uh, you know, don't need one, but if I had to come up with one, I could, and maybe there's a fourth one too. So I, I'd love for everyone to uh, try to practice with this objective uh, just so it's set for you and we focus on crafting key results. Um, Jen, do we just want people to type into the chat or did we want to throw into breakout rooms? Yeah, I think because um, the way this is set up, the breakout rooms aren't going to work today. But if you want to, you can either chat um, to the group, you can chat to us as individuals, as a panelist. Um, we are here to you know, talk through them. We, can, we will keep them all anonymous. Um, or if you want to share openly, please feel free to, but let's um, take two minutes until 718 and just figure out one key result for you for creating a better work-life balance in the COVID environment. Nick, as everyone's working on that, I actually had a question for you that came up this week while I was practicing writing mine before this workshop. Uh, and that was, I observed, at least from my N equals one experience, that I feel like there's a step before writing these we need to figure out what's the right problem to solve. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I got the opinion that like, or the, the current question I'd love to ask you is how much of finding the right OKR is actually a function of curating the right problem to solve versus, you know, kind of just listing it to do as it were. Right. Cause I think it's kind of easy to just pick something and make your OKR about that without necessarily knowing that that's the right thing to focus all that energy on. So how do you make sure that you're solving the right problem with these? Yeah, that's a, that's a really tough, and fantastic and interesting question, Jay. Um, I, as, as a designer, uh, that's what I always told different stakeholders who had come through Kessel Run that we got to make sure that we're solving the right problem or be confident that we are. Otherwise, we're going to expend and waste a lot of engineering effort. That's a lot more costly than me putting together a mock-up. And so in, in that vein, I don't know if there's a way to guarantee that you get it right. But given that this is an experimental approach and the biggest cost is, you know, three months time, you can at least get close enough to solving the right problem with an objective or at least an aspect of that problem space that you're trying to solve. And you have to have that mindset that this is experimental and that you can revisit this and you can update it. It's not set in stone forever. Um, It needs to be set in stone at least for a long enough period of time to measure progress. Um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if that answered your question completely, but knowing that you're solving the right problem, is it, it, it that, I mean, that's, that's, that's just, that's hard. That's hard for all of us. And, and a real quick segue, branching off that question, did you guys experience a time where you realized you'd initially solved the wrong problem and you had to pivot? Or is there an experience where you realized like this was a hundred percent where we needed to focus, we're going to double down for the next quarter? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, so one of the things that I used to think about was as Kessel Run was starting, you know, are we an organization that's really good at delivering applications to warfighters or are we uh, a, a organization that's building a common platform that will host any application from anyone in the Air Force that wants to deploy an application? And I really had trouble like reconciling, you know, those two because the, the OKRs that or whatever the goal setting mechanism before OKRs were adopted, you know, seemed to have these two things at, at odds. And it wasn't until we, we started using OKRs to guide us that actually having uh, third party applications hosted on our platform as opposed to focusing on the biggest customer, the Air Operations Center, was actually a positive thing because there are use cases that that our third-party customers had that that we didn't have that resulted in a more you know secure and robust platform that would benefit us over time even though we weren't aware of it um, and I think our OKRs now reflect a common goal across those that before you know I didn't really like have that understanding because it seemed to be objectives that were you know seemingly competing. So like, how do you, you know, join those objectives towards a common thing? And I think that's the real magic of OKRs is it can align people across like such a massive organization towards one common objective, as opposed to seemingly contradictory or competing objectives. All right. So we have busted our time on people providing responses. We had a few that that sent them in. Um, We will let you guys keep working on them. But what we'll do is we'll have Nick stop sharing his screen so that we can now go to question and answer time. Um, For question and answer, 
please uh, raise your hand. If you remember how to do that, that's in the participants window, click on participants and there should be a um, place where it says raise your hand. I will call on you and you can ask your question. And if not, you are more than welcome to type your question in the chat. There are a couple questions that I didn't get to as we were going through the pitfalls. So if you want to bring those back to the front, um, please do, or I will go back and search for them. Um, so let me know if there's anybody who'd like to start off with a question, we are ready to take it. I think Colin's ready. Colin, go for it. Hey guys, thanks. Um, yeah, real quick question. So all the examples that you gave were all internal to the organization. Now, obviously, you know, you guys are delivering uh, value to the customer um, in the business, but I'm wondering if you kind of consider those two separate things or you consider OKRs to be one and the same and this just happened to be a coincidence on this quarter. Thanks. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair question. So yeah, the, the objectives and key results in the cartoons were, uh, a, a lot of kind of like taking care of business at home to provide value for our customers. So I think it was more of a coincidence that uh, we were in a position where we really needed to, to harden the security factor and focus on this, the SEC and DevSecOps uh, because our platform is ever maturing. And, uh, you know, I, I've plenty of stories where, you know, we weren't as secure as, you know, uh, you know, we could be because security is always, you know, a, a, a game of competition. It's a tit for tat and it is never gonna be perfect. Um, but we really needed to focus on that for, uh, in order to fulfill requirements of our stakeholders and users. And so that's what caused us to look inwards as well as those other two uh, objectives were focused inwards as well. But I think that was coincidental because those objectives could have been, you know, make, you know, Kessel run the, you know, application provider of choice for the Air Force or something like that, you know, uh, it, it can be customer facing as well. So I think in this quarter, it was just a coincidence. Okay, Michael Snyder asked a question. Do these feed up into the growth boards and the periodic reviews across the portfolio and contract extension decisions? Yeah, so uh, it's a, a fair question, Mike. I know we've chatted before a little bit about growth boards and for those of you in the audience who might not know what a growth board is, it's it's a little bit more of a, a formal mechanism to decide whether what we're doing is a good investment decision or not. And so ultimately with a growth board, you're asking yourself the question, should we pivot or persevere? There's a lot of options in between, uh, but it's basically asking, should we continue investing in this particular project or product, et cetera. And so OKRs are certainly something that we use in our growth boards um, to understand what our teams are doing. Our teams operate using uh, roadmaps as well that can funnel down from OKRs. And so we don't require that teams necessarily use OKRs. There's different ways of, of setting goals. There's no one right way to do it. Um, but I think some sort of like goal setting framework is, is super important for a team to prevent it to a panel of stakeholders to know whether the investment decision is worth it or not, or we need to add more resources to 
a particular problem or take away resources and ship them elsewhere. But I think we could probably have a whole nother session on uh, growth boards and how those are institutionalized and, and work in an organization. Uh, OKRs came first at Kessel Run, then we started using growth board as a tool to get alignment across uh, stakeholders. It was a way to invite uh, various folks in to understand what was going on internally in the organization to be transparent about it, but also for internal leadership uh, to have that, that touch point with a team uh, every w once a quarter at least, so we could all get aligned on what the, the, the product team was doing at that level. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll kick the can down the road and maybe we need another session on growth boards. Maybe you can teach that one, Mike. I can help you prep for that. Okay, we have another question from Hector. What do your weekly or periodic check-ins look like and what are the inputs and outputs of these meetings? Yeah, that's a, a, another good question, Hector. I wanted to comment, I love your ignore 50% of battle rhythm events each week. I know someone that deletes a meeting every week or cancels one, like that's just their, their, their method of freeing up time. They always figure out, I, they tell the person that, that it's canceled, but they cancel it to free up time. And maybe that's related to work-life balance, but it could be something that, that you could try doing. Um, so uh, check-ins. So as compared to growth boards, which are a more formal event that happens maybe once a quarter, a weekly check-in with a team is an opportunity to figure out what roadblocks the teams are facing that are preventing them from achieving the goals that are set out for the quarter. And so it's a way to filter up any problems that, that a product team can't handle on its own. I would never uh, encourage product teams to use that as the only means. If they need to go directly to um, like a, a platform operator or a site reliability engineer to work with them to, to work it out, like always figure things out. I think that's good military uh, methodology to handle things at the lowest possible level. But I think it's a way to align on priorities for that week. So for uh, quicker turn tasks that, that are more timely and, and shorter periods of time than an OKR to say, hey, this is the priority that we're you know, working on for the week. And, and, and perhaps maybe, maybe one of the priorities for a product team could be, you know, we're gonna focus on buying down tech debt this week uh, because we need an increase in developer productivity. And so this is what we need to focus on for the week that will open up time and, and, and clean up our code base so we can start working on something towards that that objective. So I think a check-in is really a way to align on those more like tactical moves that are happening as opposed to the big uh, OKR planning process. Um, yeah, and check-ins also to know if your teams are healthy. You know, I mean, it, it's people who comprise your team. So uh, I would encourage everyone to, you know, increase the, the human element to the forefront because we're humans and we make decisions based on emotions and how we're feeling, uh, as rational as we want to think we are. Uh, check, in, check in with folks and see how they're doing on a human level. I think that is probably the most important thing that, that comes out of a check-in. Uh, you know, how, how can you help as a leader, the people uh, that are working really hard day in and day out on these products to solve problems for our warfighters on the field? Um, so team health. 
All right, so we are approaching an hour. This was planned for an hour and a half, but we don't have to go that long. So um, I will ask for one last round of questions. And if not, if there aren't any more questions that are coming up, we will do kind of a summary and tell you about the way ahead. Nick, a question I was actually asked uh, to relate to you is when you're approaching personnel development, so I'll more, I'm sure the Air Force has a parallel strategy, but in the Army, there's a lot of usually counseling and development and training that goes into empowering your subordinates. Have you seen OKRs integrated into that developmental roadmap? If so, where do they work? Uh, and, and how can you best apply those for building a stronger team? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think a mentor-mentee relationship could use the OKR framework to you know, set goals for uh, a period of time. It's funny that you talk about you know, growth and development. That's one of my passions. And I know, you know Jen comes from that world as well and the importance of, of growing and developing talent. And I was really curious about it at Kessel Run and decided to, uh, well, I wanted to originally put out a whole bunch of Google forms to understand what our employee experience was, uh, especially when it came to like growth and development. And I opted to, to get a third party uh, resource on board that was more academically rigorous and more scientific to understand like what, what that was and, and growth and development uh, surprise, surprise, came out as one of the lowest things because it's just really hard to do um, well. And so as a result of that, we created a strategy that we're not properly resourced to execute today. And, and we're in a tough position too, a lot of us are, because we have this weird you know, mix of military, civilian, and contractor that have all these rules and regulations that that go around it. So, you know, my, my focus is how do we unite us as, as much as possible as like a one badge mentality and, and develop a, a growth and development strategy that works for everyone in the organization because contractor X to me is just as important as, you know, military person Y. Uh, that's, that's how you get people, you know, full force against these objectives that we set out because they feel like they belong to the organization. If someone feels like a second class citizen, they won't. Um, but I'm happy to talk to you or anyone else um, offline about like what that growth and development strategy might look like, even though it's not realized at Kessel Run, that was one of the things that was really important to at least leave a, a blueprint based on feedback that we got from folks in the organization on how we could help them grow. But I think the, the OKR framework can be used on that personal level, as I said up front. But, but happy to talk further. I think it's maybe outside the scope of this discussion. Perfect. Definitely going to take you up on that. And thank you. All right. I think we have one last question, and then we'll wrap things up for the night. Um, this is from Richard. How can OKRs be vital in re reinforcing a growth mindset, refraining, a refraining from fixed mindset? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, related to, to that is that OKRs require a culture where it's, it's okay to fail and, and failure, intelligent failure, means that you're going to be able to, to grow from it. Uh, I, I think the, the OKRs used incorrectly in that, you know, it's all about task completion or using OKRs as a backlog is just setting yourself up for failure where you're going to want to achieve every key result every quarter. And if you're not going to be able to do that, then you view yourself as, as a failure. And so you're not going to be able to grow from that. But OKRs are about iterative progress towards 
some objective, not an all or nothing. And so, uh, you know, most things in life are not all or nothing. It's, uh, you know, I know a lot of people probably in this group are fans of, you know, Simon Sinek and having that infinite mindset where you're going to continue growing. I think OKRs use the right way, lend itself to having an infinite mindset where you can uh, continuously, you know, grow beyond what a fixed mindset might lend itself to. Um, one thing that I just thought of actually, as, as you asked that question, Richard, is I would be really interested to have a follow-on session uh, based on LinkedIn, a comment by Brian Kroger, my, my former colleague at, at Kessel Run. He made a comment that he is convinced that OGSMs, which is objectives, goals, uh, strategies, and metrics, is, is the way to go for, for government organizations like ours. Um, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm really curious, you know, why that is. I think at the end of the day, like having some sort of goal setting framework is better than not, but I would love to hear from him at some point why he thinks OGSMs are the way to go. Uh, just another tool in the tool belt for all of us to explore and possibly use, and it might work better for one organization versus the other. All these tools are useful. Okay, so I, Colin has asked for one last question. So Colin, if you'd like to pop in and ask your question, and then I promise we will wrap things up. Thanks, guys. Uh, so uh, we did our first round of OKRs here and our uh, general, um, I think, wanted to make sure everything was accounted for, you know, uh, things that, you know, he knew must happen. Um, so I'm wondering, um, you know, with just setting three to five, uh, you know, you're kind of shining a spotlight on those and aligning to those, which is great. But did you ever see a slip in kind of what your other steady state operations were and, you know, like how you know, were you able to, you know, either mitigate that or whatnot? And then, sorry, just one last uh, selfish question. Do you see tighter integration between Platform One and, and Kessel Run moving forward? Just personal question. Thanks. And Colin, can I ask what organization you're from? I don't think we know each other. So, uh, yeah, I was just a resident over at Platform One. Uh, I'm a Marine uh, by trade. So uh, back at the Marine Corps right now. Yeah. We're about to be LinkedIn friends, though. Don't worry. Okay, yeah. Please add me on LinkedIn. That'd be amazing. Um, so, uh, so I, as I was talking earlier about the second pitfall about OKRs versus a backlog, if there are things that must get done, I would recommend you know managing those differently than you do OKRs. Um, you know, as a as a PM managing a backlog, like it might even you know classify itself as like a chore, like you know something that is not adding any user value, but it's something that just must be done. And so managing those separately from like a goal setting framework, I think is, is necessary. I, I would caution you from using an OKR framework as a way to, to manage those like chores or tasks that, that must be done and, 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 and view them separately, if that makes sense. Because um, I, I think they're really different things. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess I would push back on that and say that this is probably not the framework to, uh, to include that while important, let's manage those in a backlog and use these to align us around goals that we're trying to achieve across the organization. Um, and the, the second point, um, yeah, I, I'm actually, you know, like, this is why I love DEF that it brings people together from a whole bunch of different organizations because 
whenever someone reaches out to me, um, I'm always happy to take a call and chat with folks and bounce ideas off of them. And I wish there was more collaboration or a space to facilitate that collaboration because enough of it probably doesn't happen. Um, you know, I don't know for whatever reason, uh, but I, I'm sure the, there are opportunities to have Kessel Run and Platform One uh, collaborate more. But honestly, it takes uh, it takes the 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 personal relationships I think between folks uh, at first to institutionalize uh, that. So I, I don't I, I know people have moved around from organization to organization, so the same people don't exist in those. Uh, but everyone's you know a lot of people stay in the ecosystem, and so if there's anything I can do to help uh, facilitate those relationships or conversations, I'm happy to because it. It, it maybe is not as institutionalized, you know, as it could be. Uh, but yeah, that takes commitment, like over a period of time to, to do so. Um, I don't know if that was answering your question. It was a personal question. I'm happy to talk offline if there's something else. <laughs> Completely yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks Colin for coming. Okay, so thank you to everybody who stuck around for an extra, or, or actually 20 minutes less than what we were really gonna go for at the end. Um, what I would like is if everybody can um, find the participants button and open it up. And what I would like to do is I'm gonna ask a question. And I, if you would like to do this, or you think it's a good idea, please raise your hand. Because what we would like to do is um, have a follow-up session that actually takes on some, maybe a couple OKRs that DEF as a community would like to have answered and raise that with the uh, DEF leadership and then come back together as a group and work through those. So have breakout groups, uh, smaller groups in a Zoom session and work through some of these so that we can present something to DEF that might be meaningful to them. If you are interested in doing that, um, would you mind raising your hand and just so we can get sort of a feel for it. Not only will it give us something that we can add to DEF, but also could allow for us to practice that OKR idea and mentality as well. Okay, so there's quite a few that are doing it. So um, Nick, Jay, and I, and while working with the leadership in DEF, will try to come up with something and have an idea of when we'll do that. Hopefully within the next couple weeks, we'll have a follow-up session. Um, with that, I would like to say thank you to Jay for having me kind of the idea behind this that started on a LinkedIn feed um, thread and then kind of uh, blossomed into this session. And thank you to Nick too for sharing your work that you have done and your experiences. And um, for those of you who don't know, I forgot to introduce what DEF is at the very beginning. DEF is a nonprofit and our goal is really to inspire, connect and empower people who are who are passionate about making change across the national security space. And that is anybody who is interested in it. You don't have to be a part of it. You can be from um, the military. You can be a civilian in the private sector. You can be a defense contractor. You could be at a university, a think tank, another nonprofit. Anybody who wants to be a part of the discussion is welcome. And you can do that by becoming a member of DEF. DEF is free to join. It is DEF.org, D-E-F.org. So please go over to our website. If you join today, you will get immediate access to our Slack channel where a lot of these conversations happen um, in the open on a regular basis. And you can pick and choose which channels you wanna be a part of, but there are tens of 20s of 30s of them, I think. Um, and we also have these virtual events 
that different parts of DEF put on on a regular basis. So they're usually city sponsored, such as DEF DC for this one. And then once we get back to having in-person events, you'll start to see invites and ideas of where we'll be going for, um, for DEF as a whole and where you can start meeting people in person who are part of this great community. And with that, I will say, Nick or Jay, do you have any last minute um, things you'd like to say? I just thought Deaf Seattle is taking the credit for this one, but, uh, but we'll give you the credit, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we could, we'll co-brand it as Deaf Seattle and Deaf DC. How's that? We'll that and the only thing I'd add, one, Nick, thanks for teaching. Super helpful. And thanks everybody for joining. The second thing I'd add, just a comment on what Jen said. In addition to the OKR one, I think we're also discussing having a bunch of different topics too. So tune in and make sure everybody else is tracking because we're trying to help all these teams grow. I think the platform one, Kessler on Intersection, that just happened two minutes ago, is a great example of the potential this has. And thanks so much for making this possible. Absolutely. And please don't be strangers. Reach out to all of us. We're all part of a community that wants to make a difference. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We love ideas and feedback, so feel free to send your thoughts to hello at deaf.org. For more great content and to stay in the loop about community events and activities, follow us on social media and subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Everyone plays a part in building the innovative national security culture we want to see. To find where you fit, just go to deaf.org slash join. That's def.org slash join.